In today's episode, we're talking about what it truly means and truly takes to upgrade your life. So don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. You know, I am uploading this episode one day before the one-year anniversary of the release of the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you so much to everyone who has bought the book and sent in those great reviews and sent me all that feedback and really just had so much enthusiasm and support around the book. I really do appreciate it. I really am excited at the direction that this is going. And uh, all I can say is thank you so much. You know, we are close to 1,000 user ratings and reviews on Amazon, and we're also close to 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. So um, all I can say is thank you. There's there's no other word for it. Uh, I'm really pumped about where the next year is going to take us, and I guess we'll see what those numbers look like in another 365 days. But that's all I got to say. For those that have not checked out the book yet, you can just go to lastlawofattractionbook.com. Or if you don't want to pull out your wallet, you just want to check out the kind of content I'm doing around the book for free, you can go to youtube.com slash Cap. Again, a lot of great content there, a lot of great feedback from people on that YouTube channel, and a lot of fun videos and more content on the way. So I hope that you will enjoy that. I hope that you'll check it out. With that said, we are going straight into today's awesome featured interview guest. Dr. Nick Sotelo is leveraging his experience as a professional helper to show people how they can first realize and then reach their true potential. He's a life coach that works one-on-one with people to shift their perspective about who they are and what their untapped resources really are. Nick climbed all the way to the top of his career as a corrections worker and as an academic earning a PhD in counseling. His platform for helping people is Mindset Mission Movement. He's also the host of an awesome podcast called The Upgraded Life, which I was fortunate enough to be a guest on very recently, and we're going to dive into all this. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Dr. Nick Sotelo. Dr. Nick, thank you so much for being here, my friend, and welcome to Shatter the Mold. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you today. And, you know, we are we are like just on the heels of a conversation we just had where I was interviewed by you. And for me, I, I was telling you, you know, yesterday when we did this, I kind of like am the beneficiary of that and that I get to see you in action through that role, serving people through your podcast. And it helps me just in terms of the the style with which I approach this interview, the questions that I might ask. So thank you for, you know, unintentionally giving me that, that little extra leg up on this. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Glad I could help. Yeah. So, um, you know, while we're on that topic, I mean, let's, let's begin with the upgraded life. <clears throat> what, um, what inspired you to go down that path for this? And, and really what, what kind of keeps you in the game for that, so to speak, every single day? Absolutely. Well, with the pursuits that I have, you know, for myself and for the goals that I have for myself financially and career wise, uh, I know that you have to build an audience and it's the old, you know, mantra of sales. People have to know, like, and trust you. And so I was looking for ways to build that, that audience. I was looking for a platform that I could reach people in a meaningful way. And you know, I'm active in social media. Don't, don't get me wrong. I got Facebook and Instagram and a YouTube channel, but for me, the podcast platform really seemed to be something that I could put energy into and not have it feel like it was a chore. And so being able to use my voice, being able to interview people, I've done, you know, a handful of solo episodes where I just got to, I get to put it, put out there kind of my take on things. Um, The platform really just seemed to fit me and my personality and my style and my, you know, my ultimate goal of of building an audience. Mm. Love it. Now, you know, I, I hear the name, The Upgraded Life, and <clears throat> it's pretty obvious just in there, but the, the interpretation I get out of it, it's, it's about giving people the tools, the resources, and the perspectives so that they can do that. They can facilitate themselves and literally upgrade their life in a myriad of areas, whether it's their health, whether it's their finances, relationships, any piece that they think that they need to really grow for, right? Absolutely. 
Love it. Love it. And it's, it's so funny because I word it in a different way and I go through a different approach, but we are, we have a lot of parallels in our podcast because it really is about, I, I say leveling up, you say upgrading, mm-hmm. but it's obviously, it's all coming from the same core. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you, um, the interesting thing, which I wholeheartedly agree with is you really rely on the fact that, you know, people need to shift their perspective about who they are. And, you know, you help them in doing that. You help them in, in realizing their untapped resources. I'm curious, how is the best way for people to go about changing that perspective for themselves? Wow. That's, there's a million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, some of it, I mean, there's, a, there's lots of different ways, I guess. Right. And for me, when I was going through training to become a counselor, so I was getting a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, you know, we kind of had a, uh, a heart to heart kind of lecture from one of our professors, um, Dr. Anna Berardi. And she basically leveled with us as a class, as a cohort and said, look, when somebody's in your office and you're their counselor, or you're their therapist, you are literally most of the time, powerless to change their circumstance Mm. you know meaning that this person's coming in and you know things aren't right financially things aren't right in their marriage um, things aren't right in their relationship with their children we can't wave a wand and change any of those so let's be clear about that I'm, i'm hearing her you know coming across the you know the lectern talking about this right but so what can we do and what we can do is help people Uh, shift their perspective. And so I remember learning that as a young man, I was probably 25, 26 years old at this phase in my life. And, you know, there's things that I glommed onto at that phase that, you know, I've written down that I've passed on. And that's one of those things that were powerless in terms of a a counseling or, you know, a coaching dynamic to literally say, oh, you're broke. Let me just give you, uh, you know, $2 million, bam, right right there and take care of it. But what we can do is help people learn to shift their perspective on things. And so I was making this transition, making this pivot, you know, out of and away from the mental health world and into the coaching world. And that's a big part of what my podcast is kind of looping in um, both of those worlds and and, and into my message. And I was in, you might appreciate this because I know your background as a cop, a copywriter. Um, But I was struggling with, with my messaging and who do, what am I communicating and who am I reaching? So I hired a coach for that. Mm. And, what his approach was is he had me, he's like, give me like four of your customers. Give me, give me four people that you've coached and I'll talk to them. And I'm going to talk to them um, not knowing what you did or how you did it or, you know, what the, what the intended impact was, but I'm just going to listen to what your customers have said about what you did for them. And through that process, he fed back to me, you know, what, all of them said is that you help them to shift their perspective on their current circumstance. Right? Mm. So I was like, huh, I wonder why that is. And again, kind of that flashback to my professor in that one lecture came right back uh, and centered up on me. So, um, so a big part of it is that's what I learned to do as a counselor is I learned to help people um, take a step back, you know, stick, take a step back out of their pain, out of their misery, out of their discomfort, um, mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, look at things for, for what they are and try, not try, but learn to see uh, what the opportunity is there or what, what is it that, what's the hard lesson that you're, that um, life is trying to teach you here rather than wallow in it, rather than make excuses for it, rather than be a victim to it, right? I mean, yeah. We're not always responsible for what happens to us, uh, but we are responsible to overcome whatever situation is sitting in front of us. Yes. Yeah. You know, so this guy, uh, Vic Johnson, who I learned from maybe 14 years ago, he used to have this saying, like, it's not your, it may not be your fault, but it's still your responsibility. Absolutely, yes. you, the, the second you shy away from that, you shy away from any agency or power to make a change for yourself. And I love your perspective, by the way, Nick, because, you know, we're, we're talking about something where when people kind of have a problem and they're viewing it in a certain point, a lot of times they're unconsciously not just viewing it the way it is, but they're viewing it in the sense that they don't think it could be changed. So it sounds to me like what you do through the shift in perspective or, you know, a word I'm sure you're familiar with that I like to use is reframe. You reframe what, what basically the, the, uh, the problem is to begin with. 
you're suddenly giving them a new way of solving it because they're not stuck in that fixed point of view that was holding them back to begin with. Yeah, we definitely learn reframe in in the counseling world as well. Yeah, yeah, and it, that's that's another cool thing because like <laughs> reframe works in counseling, it works in friendship, it works in business, it works in copywriting because it all comes down to human psychology, right? This is all about the way people view the world around them when we're talking about the limits that they put in front of themselves when they talk about the confidence they have to change things or not change things. Um, I'm I'm wondering you know, when you help people through this, are there any specific areas that seem like they are the toughest nut to crack, so to speak? Are there certain things where people just struggle a lot more than other areas? Yeah, absolutely. And so my, my home base in terms of counseling theory is called intersubjective systems theory, IST. Uh, Robert Stallero, George Atwood, Donna Orange are the primary um, pioneers of it, the, the most prolific writers in it. And we talk about organizing principles. And so organizing principles, belief systems, you know, it's very similar. Um, That's how we, through the help of others and our experiences, um, those are the conclusions that we have arrived upon in terms of who we are, um, who other people are, and what the world around us is all about. Mm -hmm. And so as those organizing principles develop through when we're children and the messages that we receive and our experiences with our own parents and siblings and schools and churches and communities reinforces those conclusions. And after, you know, decades, five, 10, 20, 30 years, if we haven't brought into our lives, other experiences, other mindsets, other ways of looking at it, then we can be pretty set and settled that this is the way life is, this is the way the world is. And that can be difficult to shift because you like say you got 20, 30 years of, of thinking this way and, and believing the, this way about whatever the, the circumstance is. So I think when you're trying to help somebody look at something differently based on decades of looking at it only one way, um, that can be difficult in terms of getting people to to shift their their perspective. Mm. I imagine they've basically linked this th- these criteria, this new reality. They've linked it to their identity and to yeah. look at it in a different way. In many ways, it's threatening their basis for existence in a way that they aren't they're, they're not even really ready to face. Absolutely. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, I imagine you you see all sorts of of people and you you work with them at all sorts of levels because I, I imagine some people, you know, you can break up the, uh, I'm using my own term, the scar tissue, so to speak, a lot easier than other people that might just, you know, they be might be so stuck down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. so fixated on whatever the problem might be, so addicted to their struggle that I imagine that there's certain, it gets a little harder to pull certain people out of it. Right. Yeah, it, it can be. And it, you know, it's kind of weird that we're talking so much about counseling theory, but you know, this is kind of stages of change is pretty popular in, in the addictions world, you know, where people are, you know, pre-contemplative about the circumstance that's in front of them, right? Pre-contemplative means that either they don't recognize it as a problem, or even if they kind of recognize it as a problem, they totally uh, have no uh, ethical imagination about it changing in, in any shape or manner. Mm, I love it. Okay. So assuming people are even willing to look at a problem in a different way and accept the possibility that there's something else, mm-hmm. is there any method, whether you're doing it for them as a counselor or something they could even do for themselves, yeah. that's basically high impact that can help them snap themselves out of that fixed point of view? Yeah. I mean, I really like, cause it was what was done with me. I really like the, the wheel of life exercise. It's my baseline entry um, activity that I do with anybody that I'm, you know, working with that's more of a, a coaching dynamic. And, you know, it really kind of, I mean, nobody owns this. It's, it's one of those things that's been around for a long time. I think it's very analogous to how Elrod and his, you know, level 10 life um, metaphor that he uses, but you know, it's, if somebody's if somebody's at the point to where they're at least willing to ask for help or look for an answer, right? Then that tells you that there is something there that's telling them that it's possible. You know, they, they may not believe it's possible for themselves, but at least they're willing to ask the question. At least they're willing to um, poke around it a little bit to see um, what the response might be. So I like the wheel of life exercise. You basically look at, you know, the, the major domains that are usually active in anybody's life. It's finances, it's relationships, it's career, it's, you know, 
Uh, if you're a parent is, you know, how you're getting along with your parents, it's your health, your physical health. I mean, how you're getting along with your, your children. And I have people scale those domains, you know, zero to 10 current, current state. Right. And so in the next question, so they go through all of those and say, you know, say finances, I'm a four and, you know, the relationship I have with my partner, maybe I'm a six and, you know, what I'm in my career, I'm like a two. And then, then I'll ask the question, you know, so if you look at all those things, you know, how would you rate your overall life, you know, zero to 10? And then my next question is pick two of those domains. If you pick two out of the, um, uh, domains that we looked at. And if you, if you really ha- hammered those, you really kind of ratcheted them up, leveled them up, upgraded them uh, cl- as close to 10 as possible. Pick which two that if you could do that would really kind of make the overall di- uh, difference in, in your life. Mm. Um, so I kind of, again, that's me setting the stage for their perspective on it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's them saying, I don't know how I would do this, but if this part of my life was uh, an eight, nine, or 10, it would provide so much relief for, you know, my current, you know, circumstance. And so that's kind of how I like to set the stage for what is it that you really want? What is it that we're really after? And, and how capable um, do you think you, you are at, at achieving that? Right. I, I love your, your use of questions. And, and I hear you say that. And again, I'm, I'm my own weird uh, mad scientist and I analyze the human condition. I analyze psychology and it sounds to me like through those questions, you're basically forcing people in answering them to admit the possibilities themselves that the improvement can actually be there. Right. And all of a sudden there's like this Northern guiding star yeah. that they're going to work towards. It doesn't feel as impossible as it did two seconds before you actually put through the process. Yeah. I think, I think even this presenting the scale, right. And sometimes it's called a um, uh, decision ruler. Like you mm-hmm. say, okay, you know, zero is your, your total record and total misery and 10 is, you know, you're an expert. I mean, you're actually helping other people exceed in this area of life. Um, even setting that stage up zero to 10, if somebody puts themselves at a five or six, it's communicating to them that uh, a 10 is possible. Mm, I love it. I love it. This is cool. I'm, I'm glad we're kind of going down this rabbit hole. And because I'm very intrigued by this. And whenever I have a guest of your caliber on of like, I'm definitely going to go down this path. Um, but one thing I, I made also a mental note to cover, I, I know, in my conversations with you that you are also a proponent of affirmations. Mm -hmm. And I just, I wanted to use this opportunity to get your perspective on, you know, not just the, the formation, I guess the choice of of how to pick affirmations that are empowering and useful, but I was curious about your opinion on, on the best and most efficient way of applying them to someone's life. Sure. And, you know, I teach people what worked for me. Right. And obviously I'm always, adding to what, what works for clients as well. Um, so yeah, I believe in affirmations. So my entry, um, my entry point for working with people is about mindset. So, you know, my platform is mindset, mission, and movement. So mindset for me has three parts. It's, it's core values, it's, um, affirmations and it's inner vision. Those are the three components for me and how I work with people that constitute having an upgraded mindset. And so affirmations then are the antidote to what we call in kind of the bigger self-help area, personal development, limiting beliefs, you know, whatever we call that, the itty bitty shitty committee, limiting beliefs. (laughs) Um, For me, affirmations is the antidote to those things. Right. And, and so people say, well, I don't believe all that affirmation stuff. And I'll say, yeah, you do. Cause you already use them. They're like, no, no, I don't. I said, yeah, you do. You're, they're already active in your mind. Think about the time that you made the last mistake that you made, whether you know you got a speeding ticket or whether you stubbed your toe or whether you spilled, you know, coffee or milk over something. You told yourself a set of things in response to that. Oh my God, I'm so, I'm so stupid. You know, I'm, I'm always clumsy. I'm never fast enough. You know, I, I just knew that I was going to get a ticket. I'm so dumb for doing that. Well, there's your affirmations. There's, there's your own self-reinforcing limiting beliefs that are active in your life, whether you know it or not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I want to look at those things. And that's part of what I do is, you know, when, when you have a, um, a non-effective exchange with your partner, what do you tell yourself? 
Well, I know that person is never going to change. I'm never going to be able to communicate well with that person, right? So those are negative affirmations. That's part of the negative default mindset that um, without intentionality, we let rule our, our minds and then it, it impacts um, the outcomes that we have in our lives. So for me, affirmations are the antidote to limiting beliefs, the antidote to the itty bitty shitty committee and learning how to craft affirmations based on that wheel of life again, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going back to that wheel of life and I'm looking at those areas. Okay, I'm going to try to level up in this area. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I've always been a failure, right? So an affirmation, let's, let's go finances, right? Um, I'm putting in the work daily that was going to build the skill to make me financially successful. Okay, that's, that might be an affirmation that, we, that right. could be crafted. It's pretty generic, obviously. It, it would be pretty uh, individualized, you know, but based on the person's specific uh, financial si- situation. So we'll get these set of affirmations developed, right? And the way that I like to use them is I like to incorporate them into a morning routine. So if you're working with me, I'm going to say, you need to carve out 20 minutes um, in, in the morning to start your day off um, right and if that means getting up 20 minutes early, then that's what we, we need to do. If, it, if you're already in the habit of getting up, you know, an hour, 90 minutes, two hours before you have to hit the door to start your day. Perfect. Well, then we just need to carve out or shape, you know, 20 of those minutes a little bit different than what you currently are. So, nice. uh, and again, I'm taking this from Hal Elrod and Miracle Morning. So I'm a savers guy. So I, I adapted the savers acronym. So silence, affirmations, vision work, that's going to be, um, what I'll ask people to bite off um, initially. So spending time in silence, meditation, deep breathing, however you want to do that. If you're uh, you know, a faith-based person reading some scripture, that, that's fine there too. Um, and then next is affirmations. And then the next is vision work. And so for me, the affirmations fold right into uh, the, the, the inner vision work. So um, I'm pretty faithful at this. I do this when I'm on vacation. I do it, it. It's scheduled into my calendar, you know, seven days a week. Um, it takes me about 45 minutes to get through my, my process. But when I'm getting people just used to it at first, you know, I say, you got to carve out 20 minutes. And so affirmations are going to be linked to those areas of your life that you're trying to upgrade or level up. And they're all about, and there's, there's a, there's some, different camps on affirmation. A lot of people feel like they're lying to themselves mm-hmm. they do affirmation work, right? And this is where I learned a lot from Jack Canfield to kind of craft these affirmations in a way that are um, truthful, um, but yet also um, steering your, your unconscious to that future end state that, that, you're, that you're after and you're trying to desire. So people get concerned about affirmations, again, finances that say, um, I'm a millionaire with $10 million in the bank, right? Well, that might be an affirmation, but if you're broke and you're saying, you're saying to yourself every day, I'm a millionaire with $10 million in the bank. Part of you is like, no, I'm not. You're just lying to yourself. Other skeptical people hear that and say, you're not a millionaire. You don't have 10. You're just lying to yourself. Well, yeah. and I, I can get it too, right? I understand the thought around that, but I teach people and myself to say, um, I'm learning the discipline that it takes to, be blessed with $10 million or more because it's going to serve my mission and the mission that I have for others. Right. That, that might be an example of an affirmation. That's, that's true. Right. You don't, if you don't have $10 million in the bank. Okay. But you are learning the skill and the discipline and the mindset that it takes to be blessed with $10 million. So I'll shut yeah. up there. I've been talking for a little bit. Let no, that's me... good. My, my brain's it's so funny. I'm making mental notes in my head as you speak. And you even made one of my points for me because I noticed in that example you gave a couple of minutes ago that you chose a, a, an affirmation worded in a way as if it's in a process. It's like, you're, you're, it sounds to me like you're being very intelligent and very strategic in the use and the counseling of these affirmations where you're giving people just enough wiggle room where you're right. They don't feel like they're lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. They can be in a process, but the process is in and of itself an invitation to the better reality. Yes. Like, you know, I, I imagine you, you know, people, one affirmation for like, I know I'm worthy of a million dollars. And the cool thing about that is like, you could have a million dollars right now and be worthy, or it could be on the way and you're worthy and you're leaving yourself that wiggle room. Yeah. I love that. Thanks for that too. And there's, there's a delicate balance too, because I also understand and agree and buy into the affirmations shouldn't be goals either. Right. Meaning like um, an affirmation 
the way that I use it and the way that I believe in um, need to not be goals like, um, you know, by 2020 or 2021, February 15th, 2021, I'll have my first million dollars. Uh, and it, your unconscious isn't really hooked to that. Right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's up here. So I, you know, it's funny. I agree with you. And, and for a slightly different reason, although you maybe have the same reason, <laughs> I think that the date puts an unnecessary pressure and an unnecessary mm-hmm. requirement. Right. And, you know, like for me, it's like, if I'm saying I'm going to make a million dollars by February, February 15th, maybe if I didn't have that deadline, I'd have 10 million by April, right. but right. it's like, I'm <laughs> forcing the situation away. That's not required. Yeah. And by the way, just cause we're on this topic of affirmations, one thing I noticed, and I know I'm putting words in your mouth right now, but um, one thing I thought was really fascinating just by where you're describing it and what I got out of it is when people are in those moments of challenge where they're in the fight with their spouse or something's going wrong and like, oh, this always happens or, oh, I, you know, I hate this about myself or whatever. Those sound to me like opportune moments where they're not necessarily going to flip what they said to themselves and make that the affirmation, but it's a clue. They have a clue there of where they can tweak something that's going to address that in a healthy, more positive minded way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. And we talked a lot about gratitude in, in our discussion too. So again, it may just be, um, you know, using an affirmation that's really about expressing gratitude for that, for that person in your life. Yes. Yes. It, you know, it's funny. Like I was even thinking that it's like, you know, when, if I was in a fight with a girlfriend or wife, like she never understands me. She's always arguing. I can change it to like, I'm, I'm so grateful for how passionate she is mm-hmm. about communicating and making sure I understand her now that, you know, some, the first couple of times you might have to grit your teeth with that. So maybe change it a little, make it a little softer, but for other people, maybe that's like the, the magic sauce right there. And that's really enough to get them over the top. Yeah. And then, you know, another point about affirmations is again, like all of this stuff, it's, it's, it's not an overnight, it's not a quick fix. Mm. I remember 10, 20, 30 years of the, of the current type of affirmations that you've been using. And that's given you everything that you have um, that you're responsible for right now. Right. Uh, it takes, it takes time. It, it's a discipline. It's a, it's a, it's not going to happen overnight. And a lot of people will try it for, you know, a handful of days and whatnot, and then they'll abandon it and say, well, that, that doesn't work. I'm giving up on this stuff. Well, yeah, it, yeah. you have to, and this is, this is why working with a coach is important too, right? Because you can have that person in your life to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. <laughs> like here's the reason why, if there's something that isn't working for you, let's figure it out. Like if, if you feel like you're lying to yourself, okay, let's, let's figure that out. But let's not abandon, you know, this process that I know of work is work for me. It's worked for um, the clients that I've worked with. And again, we talked about on our show, um, you, you're going to find people that have reached stardom in whatever field or discipline it is. And, and I guarantee you, they're going to have some sort of uh, method of affirmations that are going to be active in their life. Yeah. I love, I love the perspective you have there. Cause it's, it's obvious to me, of course, no surprise. You understand how important it is that people are engaged in the process. I mean, even like me, we were talking in our conversation, like the whole point of my book is giving methods that are fun and enjoyable because right. I know people, if they don't have the luxury of a coach, they're going to grit their teeth and eventually they're going to quit on it. So whether it's something that's fun or whether you have a coach guiding you, or maybe you're lucky you've got both going on. It's, it's all about that magic formula and that magic combination that's going to keep you in whatever process you're doing, whether it's gratitude or affirmations or, or any kind of any kind of process that's really going to invite a better version of your life for yourself. And, you know, to to speak to your podcast, to upgrade your life, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's another piece of why the podcast also fits with what I do is because it's out there now forevermore, right? I've, I've done an episode on affirmations. And so for, for people that are looking, they're searching, you know, affirmations, they may run across it, right? And so even though maybe they're not working with me directly as a, as a formal arrangement of, as a paid coach, I'm still leaving, you know, the, the knowledge out there for people to tap into. And it, it may be all that they need. So mm-hmm. that's another reason why I like the podcast format. I love it. I love it. Now, <clears throat> obviously, you know, I, I take pride in the fact that I know that my listeners, as I'm sure your listeners are as well, are, are really open-minded, but I do imagine that you might encounter certain clients where, you know, they're a little bit of a tough nut to crack. I'm wondering if, you know, in the, the, the counseling that you give them, do you ever have any kind of like weird, hooky, airy-fairy stuff that, that like turns them off yet is so powerful if you can get them to actually try it out? I think for me, that's the vision work, Mm. right? 
And so, you know, getting people to, to, you know, calm themselves and, and, you know, do the inner vision work. Um, this is kind of what's bridging the, you know, affirmations can le- can, can live up in the cerebral, up in your head, but that vision work is really what, what kind of brings it down into your heart and into your soul. And I mm-hmm. think that that is where a lot of people, um, they don't have a lot of familiarity with that. And that's where it can seem like a little bit out there, a little bit woo woo. And so I think, and again, that's why for me, it's core, it's wheel of life, core values, affirmations, and then, and then vision work, you know, the, the stage is all set, but that's kind of the sequence that I, that I work people through mm-hmm. um, knowing that, you know, for, for a lot of folks, it's the vision work that they aren't like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I know that you and I talked quite a bit about uh, vision work in the, in our conversation that we had yesterday, but yeah. It's the idea that, um, you know, your, your, your mind and your subconscious, it doesn't, it can't tell the difference between what actually happens in reality and versus what you, what you picture in your mind. Right. So there's the, and we, again, we have the proof and the evidence to to show that, but just, um, and again, people already do this, right. Um, when people say, what's your worst nightmare and they, they tell you, and it's something that really hasn't happened yet in reality, but yet they're terrified by it. Yeah. (laughs) And that that opens a whole Pandora's box on self-fulfilling prophecies yes. and ways that people can get the like, oh, I know she's going to break up with me. It's like, well, you're driving yourself crazy and you're nagging her into doing it. So, of course, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, jumping around a little bit, again, taking advantage of the fact that I know that you are an expert in certain things and just uh, squeezing a little extra juice out of the, this orange here. Um, I know that you draw a distinction between mental health and um, mental wellness, and I guess I want to open the floor for you to, to, I guess, describe it in your way for my audience and in hopes that we'll all learn something here. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, you said mental health and mental wellness. Yeah. Did I misphrase that? No, I just didn't. I had something else going on and I didn't, didn't necessarily oh. hear that. I wanted to make sure. Gotcha. Yep. Mental health versus mental wellness. Yeah. And, well, and it's not just my distinction too. Again, within within the field of psychology, there was a whole subset of, of psychologists and psychiatrists uh, through the humanistic phase that really that's the reason why they broke off from traditional psychoanalysis was because it was so um, model oriented like um, reified model oriented and so um, uh, symptom based and they just they didn't find it very helpful so you know Abraham Maslow uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs he was one of them Carl Rogers Carl Rogers is the sixth most most quoted person of all times right um, he, you know he he uh, uh, is developed person-centered therapy. Um, Heinz Kohut, uh, uh, Mike Camp, Stolero, they, they all um, uh, broke away because they were tired of the uh, and William Glasser and reality, reality therapy, right? And so I've, um, I have been, those were my people, I guess, when, when I was coming through and learning, you know? Um, and so they made the distinction, you know, like in the 50s and 60s and really kind of set the stage for the and you know, pushing through in the seventies and eighties for some of them. Um, but the difference is um, it's what, what you focus on grows, right? That's really the, the distinction. And so the more that you're focusing on diagnostic labels and uh, symptoms, uh, symptomology, pathology, and that's what makes up the bulk of what you are discussing with people or, and what people are coming away from your discussions. Well, that's all you've paid attention to. So that's, what's going to grow. That's what's going to be the focus versus um, focusing on um, aspects of health, right? Aspects of wellness that you could be improving upon, right? Um, Diet, sleep, and exercise. Um, You know, in my world, positive affirmations, upgraded affirmations. Um, The more that we focus on those things, things that make people well, um, then those are the outcomes that we're going to have. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what I see. And the, and the insidious trap there is psychology and mental health and counseling so desperately want to be accepted by the medical profession. And so we do all kinds of things in that world to, to um, you know, get this approval from, from medicine and from quote unquote science that we have turned things that are not real into reified diagnoses Mm. meaning um great example um that i used to use but i had a friend of mine show me even better um 
so for folks that can't aren't seeing the video this i got a little battery that's sitting on my on my desk right so i'm going to put this in my hand um so if this is depression right and if andrew if you and i were in the same room could i give it to you could i give you depression um well no not not depression itself and you can hand me the battery right if that's what you meant yeah right but we reify what depression is. We think this is a medical diagnosis that exists mm. physically somewhere in your body, in your brain, in your mind, and you have it. Like, I have depression. Okay, well, if you have it, can you give it to somebody else? Right. Well, no. <laughs> well, who gave it to you? Right. And it also assumes that it's easy to just let go of it, right? Just let go, let go of your depression. Right? And um, so that's what I mean by like reify that we've done these things to, to ourselves uh, in order to be accepted by the, the medical community around right. in legitimizing the work that we do with people where depression by all rights is a cluster of symptoms that a group of experts um, kind of agreed upon that when you have so many of these symptoms, we call that depression. Yeah. Right. But depression doesn't live as a organic imbalance in your mind or in your in your brain as much as we want to think it does, but it doesn't. It it it, it has never been proven um, to be that way, and that's pretty much the case with most uh, mental health diagnoses. So anxiety, bipolar, whatever you want to call it. Now, there's some I will say, you know, schizophrenia. Um, you know, extreme bipolar. Yeah, there's probably some organic stuff going on, but by and large, uh, it's it it really isn't. So, mental illness, mental health versus mental wellness. One is focused on uh, reducing symptoms, so that you can return to life as you knew it as normal, and and mental wellness is increasing your ability to appreciate life for what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> versus life that, that you used to know it to be. Yeah. And, and I'm no doctor, but I imagine that the focus and emphasis on mental wellness will actually autocorrect some of the mental health issues that Absolutely. people might never even encounter. They might not never get it because they were focusing on wellness instead. Absolutely. Absolutely. The problem is you can't bill for mental wellness. <laughs> right. You can't, I mean, you literally can't, you cannot yeah. go see, you know, if you were seeing me as a, you know, as a mental health client, I could not bill for mental wellness. I can bill for mental illness yeah. and I may, I may actually uh, put a label on, I, I wouldn't, I don't, but people all the time put a label on you that fits diagnostic criteria um, just to appease their insurance panels. So you cannot yeah. bill for mental wellness. You just can't. But the license that you're practicing under forbids any other, like it, 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 goes, it sticks to certain specific things and, right. and that's it. And you've got to stay within the confines of that. If you want to prescribe something for somebody or treat them in a certain way. Yep. Absolutely. Gotcha. Cool. So a um, couple quick, I know we're, we're close to wrapping up a couple quick, um, maybe rapid fire questions. I, I was curious, cause I know obviously you have to keep a level of, of confidentiality here. So I'm not sure if uh, this is a question that can't really be answered, but I'm wondering if there's ever like a certain result or a certain, um, outcome that you help someone find their way to that just blew you away that you're just so proud of that still kind of like lives with you every single day that you're so glad you were able to do that for, for a certain person. Yeah, I can share with one. Um, and, you know, after 20 years of being in the game, you can learn to describe things and not give away the, you know, identifying details. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> so vision work may just depends uh, I may have people actually create a vision board and, you know, I don't, I'm sure you're familiar with those, <clears throat> especially the more kind of visual, got to, got to touch it, feel it type of, of folks. A vision board may be the way to go as far as that goes. And so I remember <clears throat> having a client go through this process of a vision board. And then I heard them say, well, I had some friends come over and we did it together, which I was like, oh, okay, you know, I, you know, I get it. Um, I just don't know how that, how conducive that's going to be for your overall, your own personal vision. Right. But I kind of let it go because at least they were in motion and, and doing the work, you know, however they see fit. <clears throat> and then as it got to the point of asking how it was going, like, you know, w- w- was this person spending time looking at this vision board and spending time developing a relationship with this vision board the answer was kind of like, no, I'm really not. Mm. And long story short, what, you know, after several months of kind of tiptoeing around this, 
what eventually came out was this person was scared to death to dream and to have uh, positive expectations for the future based on previous life experiences where dreams were crushed Hmm. and and dreams were were ripped away and dreams were uh, systematically destroyed by, you know, some people and some circumstances in this person's life. And it was powerful for them to realize um, why they were petrified from the prospect of dreaming. Right. And so, so when you say, is there, is it, what, is there something that you've done that you're just super proud of? Yeah. I, I help somebody restore their personal capacity to dream for themselves and for their future. I, you know what I mean? And, That's and, amazing. Yeah. Do you help them find their way to self-awareness that they then leveraged for, an actual improvement in their life that they never would have thought possible before Absolutely. that. Absolutely, Yeah. They had I totally given up on it and they didn't quite have their finger on it until I was pushing them like, Hey, create this vision board and spend some time looking at it. And this is all about your future. And yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, when, when you said that they did it with someone else, like my brain went to all these different assumptions that were definitely like running away from doing it, whether right. it's just being a people pleaser not wanting to offend the other person or being scared to dream or, or anything else. So um, yeah, I think it's always a clear telltale sign when people can't engage in process for themselves that there's some lack of, uh, of awareness right there. So um, while we're on this topic, because again, I imagine that you take these tools to whatever measure you can and you upgrade your own life and you move forward every single day. Is there anything about your life that you'd want to share with people that that has been a tremendous upgrade that others can learn from that you to this day just have so much gratitude for and you continue to enjoy? Wow. <laughs> um, I think, you know, kind of, kind of my, my subtitle for this is, is helping people realize and reach their potential. Mm-hmm. And that's about the, sh- the perspective shifting that we talked about at the beginning of our conversation. But I, you know, early in my career, you know, a good halfway through my career, uh, I was just in my career as a, in youth correction. So that's, that's where I've been working for, um, 21 years in, in youth corrections and, you know, went to school along the way <clears throat> and whatnot, but just seeing wasted potential, meaning we would get these kids at state level corrections. It was the end of the road. This is what, you know, everybody was saying, you know, you don't want to go to this place. You don't want to go to this place. So here, here they were. And I would see kids that were gifted artists and I would see kids that were gifted athletes. And I would see kids that were uh, great with their, their spoken word and writers and just all, all kinds of talent that, wasn't realized and if the talent wasn't realized then of course it it, it can't be reached and so I knew that I wanted to do something about that and kind of moving through other areas of my life I had my own kids and I got involved with being you know a youth uh, sports coach kind of seeing that same dynamic you know here I am able to invest in kids in a way to help them realize their potential, not just as an athlete, but as a person as well. So that way they can, they can reach their potential as well. And, you know, at some point in time, I had to step back and look in the mirror and, and, and also my wife does really good at this too, (laughs) of holding myself accountable. You know, the Mm. things that I was doing in my life in terms of my career and, you know, strategies that I was, you know, not, I knew about, but wasn't executing in my own life. Um, was really kind of the impetus too that I need to be holding myself accountable to make sure that I'm reaching uh, my own potential in a, in a variety of ways. So that was part of why I went back to earn a PhD. It's part of why I started this podcast. It's why um, I pivoted out of being in, in the mental health world and into the the coaching world. Those are all things. And um, a big challenge that I took on for myself that has taken me places that I never thought it would was one, finally addressing you know, my dissatisfaction with my personal health and just the way that I looked in, in appearance wise, you know, being overweight and kind of hitting 40 years old and um, avoiding going to get checkups and physicals because I don't want the doctor to tell me you got to lose 30 pounds and, you know, quit doing all this stuff and mm-hmm. really kind of avoiding it and kind of leaning on the glory days of, of my, you know, you know, 20 years ago now, my, my athletic abilities, oh, you know, I used to be able to do this and yada, yada, yada. And long story short, when I really branded myself as a coach and really put that uh, flag in the sand and said, I'm a coach from here on out. <clears throat> one of the things that I said is I, I'm going to address 
this, this uh, physical fitness issue that I haven't been able to do for, you know, the last 15, 20 years, <clears throat> hired a coach and, you know, with the idea that if I'm going to be expecting my clients to take risks, to put in the work, um, then I need to be doing the same in, in an area in my life that's, that's uh, important to me. Mm. And so um, that's been more recent um, that I, I've been work, working with a coach since about the beginning of COVID. So February um, and discovered a lot of things about myself um, and about my own mindset and about um, what I really believed uh, would make the difference in my life and having to avail myself to a coach and be humble and submit myself to the expertise of somebody else. has been incredible for me in, in a lot of different ways. I love that. You know, obviously before engaging that process, you're already bringing wisdom and insight to the process, but nothing can take the place of saying, Hey, if I want these people to be coachable, I'm going to go through that process myself, make sure I'm coachable, which will also give me the immediate feedback of where I'm struggling because now I'm in their shoes all the more easier. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Cool. So if people want to learn more about you or connect with you, where, where are the best place or places that they can go? Yeah, I would tell you to um, you know check out my podcast, obviously The Upgraded Life, and it's on you know, most of the major platforms, if not all the major platforms. So Apple Podcasts, you can find me on Anchors, find me on Spotify, and a lot of the other ones, Stitcher, Overcast. <clears throat> Wherever you're used to finding podcasts, you're going to find me on there. Um, that's definitely a good resource for you. I cover a lot of different uh, ground. It's, I mean, again, I, what I tell people is I interview uh, awesome people that have done awesome things in their life. And I'm going to get them to talk about how mindset was part of their process. So that way my listeners can get some practical ways that they can, as soon as they, they're done with the episode, they can apply something that will upgrade their life and most likely their mindset. So I would check out my podcast. You can go to my website. It's uh, www.nixotello.com forward slash podcast, or you can go to the upgraded life podcast.com. Um, both of you, both links will take you to uh, my podcast website. You can see the show notes and, and, and all that stuff, but uh, I'm on Facebook, Nick Sotelo. You can find me there. Look for the purple branding and I'm on Instagram uh, at the underscore upgraded life. Cool. I'll, I'll put all those links in the, the show description, the show notes for this, so people can click on them very conveniently and easily. Um, last question for you, and I often ask this of my guests in some way, shape, or form, but if you can go back, you know, 15, 20, even 25 years in the past, whatever works, and give an earlier version of yourself any one key piece of advice to make navigating the years ahead way more fulfilling, way easier, more successful, whatever you want, what is that piece of advice that you would give? For me, it would, have, it would have been financially. And so 20 years ago would have put me at the beginning of my career. I was 21, 22, and I was very much enamored with the idea of how to build multiple streams of income mm-hmm. for, for a variety of ways. But I was working for the state and I let the state and the comfort and the quote unquote security of, of, of a government job kind of lull me to sleep. Mm. And so I had started several things back then and gave up on them thinking that, you know, I, you know, I can pick it up later and, you know, 20 years goes by and I didn't do it. And so I, I would, I would take my 21 year old Seth and I would say, Nick, keep pushing forward with that business. <laughs> That's definitely and then all the things that, you, you know, I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. All those limiting beliefs that were active then is what kind of stalled me out. And so I definitely would, I would tell myself, um, it, and I'm going to talk to people that are, I was in shift work. I mean, I was working two to tens and four to midnight. So if anybody is out there that's listening, that's in shift work, you have a tremendous opportunity because you have a good swath of what's called the business hours that you could be and should be building something in, right? Yes. Sacrifice early, you know, build, build that business, do all that hard work that you need to do, right? And then reap the benefits for the rest of your life. Yes. And do it in a sustainable way. If, if you can do six hours, cool. If you could do four hours, cool. Whatever you can do on a consistent daily basis where you know you're fully engaged, yep. do it. Yeah. And I show people how they can do that in literally whatever time that they tell me. They say, I, you know, I've only got five minutes. Perfect. Let me show you how to build an income stream with just five minutes a day. Wow. If, you can, if you can guarantee to give me five minutes a day, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a longer timeline. 
you know, versus if you could do an hour, you know, three hours, six hours a day, don't get me wrong. It's, 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 it's not get rich quick, but if, if you, if you're serious about, you've only got five minutes, I'll take your five minutes and I'll show you how to build an income stream with five minutes a day. I love that. You might get here, um, get some people contacting you on Facebook on that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, uh, Dr. Nick Sotelo, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving, you know, what I believe is a really intriguing, really insightful conversation. Yep. And thanks for sharing your, your wisdom and your experience from, from your years of doing this. It's, it's highly yep. valuable when I fully believe people can listen back to this interview and leverage a lot of the, the gold that you kind of shared here. So, so thanks for taking the time to be here today, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. And if I can, w- one more thing. If you go to my website, you're going to see uh, a red button on there and you click it and I'll give you free 30 minutes. And I, I call that a strategy session. So nice. if you liked you know, my approach and what I said, I'll give you free uh, 30 minutes of my time. And at the very least, uh, I will point you in a direction to help you upgrade your life, um, even if it doesn't uh, end up me working with you formally. Guys, I don't want to murder Nick's schedule, but again, I've, I've had a separate conversation with him on camera, so to speak, and off camera, and this guy is the real deal, and that's a very generous offer. So um, anyone that's kind of like feeling nudged to, to take him up on that, I, I highly recommend that you do it. Perfect. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. That, that was awesome. Thanks for uh, adding that to my getting that to my audience. Thank you again, Dr. Nick Sotelo for that awesome, awesome, awesome interview. I really do appreciate it, my friend. Guys, I highly recommend you check out nicksotelo.com to see more about what he's got going on. I'm going to be leaving that URL in the uh, description of the audio episode and, of course, the YouTube video description if you're checking this out on video. So uh, you definitely want to check that out. And, of course, a final reminder, if you haven't checked out my new YouTube channel around my book, it's youtube.com slash Cap. Or if you want to check out the book, which just turned one year old, you can go to Last Law of attractionbook.com. And while I'm giving calls to action here, I want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, pull out that phone, hit that subscribe button, leave a quick, honest, written review. And of course, stay tuned. We've got way more awesome guests and way more awesome content coming up very, very soon. And with that said, in the meantime, have a great day and I'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.